This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, quick producer's note. A week ago, the What Jin's Talking About podcast, during their conversation of first-round Steelers quarterbacks, uh, erroneously, erroneously, erroneously? I, I think it's erroneously. Erroneously uh, omitted the memorable Mark Malone, mm-hmm. uh, number 28th overall pick in 1980, who went on to have almost 10,000 career yards and set many franchise records for decades until the modern era. So apologies for the Mark Malone fans and a thank you to Dave Schofield for uh, for catching that. Let's get to the show. Yoy. I'm not going to worry about your level of concern. Yoy and double yoy. We talking about Twitter. Triple yoy. Think of how stupid the average person is and then realize half of them are stupider than that. Quadruple yoy. It's what Jin's talking about, the conversation about the Steelers' social media conversation exclusively on the Behind the Steel Curtain podcast network. I am Kyle Kreiss. Here with me, as always, is the number one Jim Harbaugh doppelganger, oh, Greg Benevent. Hello, it, Greg Benevent, yes, and it was John Harbaugh that somebody oh. told me I looked like, not Jim. If I someone told me I look like Jim, that's a great compliment. Jim looks like, uh, you know, the star of a TV show where he's a captain of a starship. <laughs> no, you you are the uh, you're the you're the the older brother, the younger brother. I don't I, know. I totally forget. <laughs> I, I've tried not to learn. Well, maybe uh, maybe you know, you have to, you'll have to Google him to <laughs> to see for yourself what, which Harbaugh is Greg. <laughs> We're here. It's the conversation about the Steelers' social media conversation, and uh, you know, even though it was a big week of Ben's retirement and Colbert speculation, we're putting that all aside mm-hmm. this week mm-hmm. to bring you the Yinzies. It's mm. our our first annual annual, maybe uh, hopefully annual, potentially oh, annual award show of the best and worst moments of Steelers social media and Steelers on the field. We'll get to some on the field moments, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, you know, I, I just I, I feel it's got to be big. A show like this mm. has got to be big. Absolutely, it can't just be you know the same old same old. Certainly not. It can't be just a list of things. Definitely not. We need, you know, we need to, I, I look to the great hosts of, of award shows past, like mm. Billy Crystal mm. or uh, or Amy Poehler mm. and, uh, you know, and, and what what do they all have in common? They have a- uh, Sag cards. Sa- well, sag cards and a great theme song, a great musical number for an award oh, show. Oh, okay. So here we are, like any great award show, uh, we have a musical number to get us inspired for the Yinzies. We've been taking names, we've been keeping score of all the stupid things you all have said with no remorse. It's the Yinzies. Oh, there's nothing more important. It's the best and worst of your tweets. 
All the things you should say for therapy But instead you put your rear out here so publicly It's the Yinzies Is there anything more toxic? It's the best and worst of your tweets You know, Greg, a lot of people probably want to know why we're even doing this today. A a lot of people. I mean, how how many people do you think listen to the show? (laughs) Well, well, the analytics say the average person listened to our Christmas episode for 46 seconds. Oh, so they're not even going to make it this far into the song. Oh, yeah, you're right. Let's just get to the third verse. We will pick them up. We will put them down. We will LOL at all the trolls who play the clown. It's the Yinzies. Is there any way to stop it? It's the best and worst of the best and worst of the best and worst of your godforsaken tweets. All right. Are you ready to get into the awards? Absolutely, because thankfully I was not singing on that. That was great. Thank you for doing that. All right. Let's get it started. Let's go. Let's start with the best off-field moment of the year. What uh, you know? What do you think was one of the best off-field moments of the year? The best off-field moment. I mean, I, I was just I, I liked the nominees you put down here. I was going to say that uh, as a fan, it was um, you know uh, uh, the NFL putting Ben at the Twitter header after the final game in Pittsburgh. But, that was a uh, nice touch. But as a human being, I do like that you included, and I very much had I, I that, you know that how heartwarming it was to see Juju buy those groceries at uh, in the video game. I mean, that's look, players are doing that all across the league, and certainly in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. I mean, just how wonderful they are for the community. It's just that particular one and, you know, that, that particular player with that particular rep and the way that people deal with him. That was something that was a real uh, aww kind of moment. You know, yeah, Juju showed what it took to be a Steeler off the field, even though some people, I think it was Mark Madden specifically, some said that, oh, it was he was just doing it for the likes on social media. Okay, well, who cared? <laughs> I mean, it, oh, you also got likes when you did a nice thing. It's not like doing something something and also having people like it on social media is some nefarious thing or ruins the intention of what you were doing that's absurd it's it's you can do good things and uh have people recognize that although that was a very touching moment for me uh i got i'm giving it to the best off-field moment to ju once again for juju Mm. for the milk crate challenge nothing (laughs) nothing really got Steelers twitter to show their true stripes early in the season <laughs> right, that was then the the milk crate challenge i think the 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 tweet that uh, kind of sounded it off for me was if i if i can even find it where's the uh here we go you know at ja155 said it right back in august 30th juju doing the milk crate challenge is the 911 for white guys in pittsburgh over the age of 50 that's a wonderful line <laughs> and there were a lot of bad I, I can't even well you know some of the bad takes came from miked up sports 1 from steel city nation 412 from at ben anderson 58 from 937 the so called fan even uh, even our own jay hartman underscore pit was just oh juju so stupid this could cost games this could you know cost wins you know but but let's talk about something that could have really cost games and wins was covid and i didn't see (laughs) anyone complaining oh man uh minka caught covid he cost the team a win uh you know big ben caught covid i didn't see those takes but the milk crate challenge that was mm. i'm surprised some real hater didn't like try to square it like look juju wouldn't have hurt his shoulder like that on that denver hit if he hadn't done the milk crate challenge Oh, I mean that—that's that, that. See that—that's how this ruins my mind. I'm like, what's the dumbest possible? 
possible take I could think of. And then my mind worked in reverse to find it. Let's move on to most bizarre fan appearance. You know, the fans are everywhere and, and, and uh, you know, from TV and movies to other people's games. What, what, did, what did you find to be the most bizarre fan appearance? You actually put the on here as a suggestion, the one I would have picked. It was absolutely the guy in the Roethlisberger jersey at the Brooklyn Nets game sitting behind Antonio Brown simply because it has nothing to do with football. It's a basketball game. There's no Pittsburgh team playing. If you're part of his entourage, that's bizarre. If you're not part of his entourage, that's even more bizarre. You just showed up with a... You either had a Ben jersey with you in your bag for some reason or you wore it to this game. Now, everything else you've mentioned, I'm sure you'll talk about some of them, are either have something to do with football or their mass group events where there's thousands of people and of course anywhere on earth where there's thousands of people someone's going to be in a Steelers shirt or jersey this was way way weirder than the rest of them right if you're part of AB's entourage do you have to keep a Brady and a Ben and do you just have some Raiders stuff just in case like how does this even work like I'm gonna you know there were I, you know, there are some good honorable mentions, including the the documentary Deep Asleep about mm-hmm. the sleepwalker killer who, uh, you know, was, was spotted at the Pens game in that documentary. <laughs> um, but for me, uh, you know, it, it, it was the Capitol riot and the the man who was uh, he, first off, he he texted his uh, federal agent brother in law <laughs> to let him know he was there. But then to have the gall to ask the judge, I need to leave the state so I can go watch, I think it was the Denver Steelers game. (laughs) And the judge let him do it. Right, right. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's again, but that comes under the heading of there are thousands of Americans at any given place. One of them is going to wear a Steelers jersey. We'll see who's wearing the Steelers jerseys maybe at the Super Bowl. Keep your eyes peeled. Oh, man. Someone will. Yeah. (laughs) Let's move on to best alumni moment. You know, there's always, with with so many alumni here in in Steeler Nation, there's always going to be people making news. Uh, what what do you feel was the best alumni moment this year? Uh, I mean, you know, you have it on here, but I agree with it. I mean, for me personally, it's Cowher's speech on Ben, because as I said at the time, that's something you can listen to in your given day to get you fired up in the morning or to get you uh, feeling better about some task before you. Uh, uh, certainly, you have Gold Jacket City on here. Is that is that Pulamalu speech or where are you going with that? Yeah, I was that, thinking alumni week. OK, because yeah. that would OK, then that would have been number one. I wasn't sure exactly how you were defining that. So, yes, that's obviously number one, because even in a season that does not meet the traditional Steelers standards, you can be like, oh, right. This is why that standard exists. This unbelievable alumni weekend of one all time great after another, essentially just hanging out. You know, it's it it, 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 I mean, it just hit me. This is like a post credit scene from an Avengers movie. <laughs> yes, it was. It was. That's right. It was the end game. It, it was like the end game battle in mm. uh, in in Heinz Field when all <laughs> (laughs) the gold jackets emerge uh yeah that's hard to deny that uh ab's exit Mm. from tampa bay i you know it's hard to hard to to deny the entertainment of that at least you know not finally not being on the uh receiving end of ab's ordeals Uh, i'll piggyback on top of part of what made ab's exit so great and it's one of those things you really don't see anymore it made social media fun again (laughs) even for a brief period of time that was enjoyable who has a better video who has a better joke who has a good angle it's you could spread it around i mean that was imagine social media being fun and not tragic 
Um, yeah, no, yeah, no lies there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I gotta go. I gotta agree with you though. For mm-hmm. me, it was Cower mm-hmm. uh, on CBS uh, morning show talking about Ben. This is a point where everyone was saying Ben was washed from Rich Eisen all the way down to uh, you know Mark Madden. They were all saying Ben is washed. Ben is washed. And then Cower reminded us all: This is a product of your journey, and your journey's not over yet. Mm. Woo! And that kind of I was was kind of a turning point. I think mm-hmm. we saw Ben. You know, I I think he. I don't know if he heard those words, but I I, <laughs> I heard those words. <laughs> How about best alumni on Twitter? Mm. Who uh, who did you you know? Uh, some people came came and go. Like Vinnie Williams was you know kind of in and mm-hmm. out for brief moments. Uh, you know, some of the usual suspects, always Ryan Clark and mm. Rocky Blyer. Who who do you think was the best alumni on Twitter? Uh, you have my winner right here, and I would have said it if you hadn't, is uh, Trey Day. Trey Essex I, is, is positive, upbeat, insightful. Uh, you learn something reading it. It's not toxic. He always has a good point. If there's a criticism, it's well couched. It's, you know, and even when he does have a criticism, it's always seemingly in the context of don't take something off the table without putting something on. Like, he'll explain something good that can't happen after that uh rocky obviously comes in number two because even when he says something that maybe feels harsh or negative that you uh, uh perhaps disagree with or feels too far obviously the guy's coming from the right place he only wants the best for the team it's it's so i, I would go one and one a there between trey and rocky okay I, you know maybe he wants what's best for the team and his some likes maybe some social clout i don't know which again is not the worst thing okay. I, I i refuse to shoot something out just because of class but i do see your point okay i gotta mm-hmm. agree i think trey essex was uh yeah, he was mm-hmm. he was above head and shoulders above the rest. You know, Charlie Batch, too many, a little too many uh, spades hands. Okay, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't need to you know pick your pick your uh, battles for you in spades. I want to know what about <laughs> going on on the field. <laughs> All right, our next category is worst take of the year. I thought this would go to some of the big personalities like a Mark Madden or a Filipponi or someone from the so-called fan. I was shocked that the worst take would come from within our own building at Behind the Steel Curtain. Joining us now on Zoom, it's Anthony Defio. That's actually right. After the Chiefs game, you wrote the headline, the Steelers aren't even worth watching anymore which broke my heart, but we've invited you on to defend your take. What was the inspiration for this piece? Well, it's basically everything that happened after that Lions game. It seemed like they kind of, that was kind of a turning point for them. Uh, you know, we, they looked pretty bad over the first month. I think we all can agree on that. And then they had that four game winning streak and we all said, well, if they can get to six and three, then that'll be a good spot for them. And it seems like after that Lions game, the, the, the COVID game for Ben, and, you know, I just found myself all year, just as I wrote about just uh, many times, I think, just wanting to do other things uh, during the games this year. It kind of felt like a preseason game where you, you kind of wanted to, you, you felt like you had to watch it because you're a big Steelers fan and writer and podcaster or whatever. But at the same time, you're like, man, I want to go watch uh, season four of Ozark, which is on tonight. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. But um, so that's what, what, what was going through my mind. I was just being honest. I mean, it was. Uh, I mean, it wasn't an aesthetically pleasing year for our Pittsburgh Steelers. I think we can all agree on that. They weren't a pretty team to watch. So, what kind of reaction did you get to your piece? Were people mostly on your side? Was there a backlash? What what kind of feedback did you get from Steelers Nation? Uh, they were definitely not on my side, which surprised me because you know when they were 
legit contenders, I would say, between like 2014 and 2018. I was like really 2015, 2018, that era. Uh, I was really uh, positive. And people were like, oh, you're a, you're a sheeple. You, you, this team, they need to fire everybody. And, and Mike Tomlin, he needs, to, he needs to go. And Rooney, Art II, Art he has no clue how to, how to run an organization. So it's, it's almost like when, you, when you're positive, everybody else is negative. And when you're negative, everybody's like, oh, how can you be? It's like your significant other telling you constantly, oh, you suck, you're a loser. This relationship isn't going anywhere. And finally, you say, you're right. We should break up. And they're, and they're like, wait a minute, what are you talking about? How could you, that's coming out of the blue. That's, that's, that's how it felt to me. I'm like, I'm just saying what you all have been saying for years. And all of a sudden, and it's based on what I just watched on Sunday, the day after Christmas. And now you're, you're shocked that I'm saying this. So you've been saying, you were saying this when Antonio Brown was, not you, but the people were saying this when Antonio Brown was catching 120 passes a game and Lev Bell was putting up 2,000 yards and Ben was leading the league in, in uh, passing yards. And now it's obvious that, they're, that, that something's wrong. And now you're telling me I'm a horrible fan and I need to go root for the Cowboys or something. I, you know, so it was, it was a shock to me because I was like, yeah, finally, I'm, 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 I'm telling it like it is that they're going to love me for it. And they, 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 decidedly did not love me for it so but i like it now that you've been emboldened with uh with the, with this point of view are we going to see more hard-hitting commentary like this throughout the off season and into 2022 season i, I don't know I'm, I'm usually pretty uh I, I tend to start getting optimistic once the uh off season rolls around you might you might hear some hard-hitting commentary about, about mock drafts and stuff like that but but uh no i'm, I'm pretty excited because i mean Granted, I just said how old I was a few minutes ago, but you know, even for somebody like me who's, who saw Bradshaw retire when I was a kid, still it's been nearly two decades since they've had to worry about who their next quarterback's going to be uh, legitimately. So it's going to be exciting. I, I'm looking forward to see what direction they go in. You know, so uh, you'll, there'll be some hard-hitting stuff, but mostly you know, positive, smart-ass, kind of sarcastic stuff like, like I usually do. Well, even though you're the worst take of 2021, we have all the hope that you'll rebound and possibly become the best take of 2022. So I, I appreciate you coming on and being a good sport. And congratulations again for having the worst take of 2021, according to what Jen's talking about. Hey, I, I'm honored. I mean, you know, to, to be the, the best at anything is great but you know even if it's the best at being the worst i'm i'm, I'm excited i'm honored and I, and I thank you for the award and and it, it's been an honor having me on, uh, to be on your show and and, and uh, i'm thankful that you had me on anthony thanks so much we will see you on twitter and on btsc all right thank you man thank you for having me you have you have yourself a great weekend all right, let's keep it going. Uh, let's let's go to low point mm -hmm. of the season. And for many fans, there was there was a there's a long list of low points. <laughs> but can you narrow down to just uh, one to that kind of define the low point of the season? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm actually going to go off the board for your suggestions here. I'm going to go with the very first loss to the Bengals. Okay. I feel like that was they're at home against the Bengals in a game that, despite them being in it for much of the first half, it never really felt like they were in. 
It's the, it's out of reach well before the fourth quarter. The Steelers fans are booing and ready to leave before that happens. And I feel like that game, more than any other, set the narrative in place that just about how bad the rest of the season would be for many corners, particularly coming on the heels of the Raiders game. So, uh, I mean, there's a lot of other options here. I mean, the loss to Minnesota comes up after that because that's the one where it felt like, okay, they're definitely not making the playoffs now, you know, if they start winning a lot. But, uh, but yeah, I got to go with the uh, first Bengals game at home. That's a good – I forgot just about how the fans were pretty much booing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whistle to whistle that game and and the Bengals, how they really had our number this season. I think that's that's a good point. I think you mm-hmm. I think that encapsulates it well. I was thinking the, uh, the, the first Chiefs game mm-hmm. because that just felt to me when – Every all the fan, all the so-called fans out there had just kind of given up on mm-hmm. the team. That's when we had takes like uh, our own Michael Beck, who was like as big as a fan as I am of the Steelers. I don't want to see him get slaughtered in the playoffs. <laughs> you know, we had similar takes from USA Today, the KDKA's own Chris Hoffman. Uh, so you know, I, I might mm-hmm. I might want to change it to Bengals, but for me, man, that first Chiefs game, we were you know we still had a shot at the playoffs against a team that no one expected us to beat. But man, was the reaction just the fan reaction was just mm. well, there's no wrong answer here. I think each of it, we both could have been correct on this one. Yes. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. let's uh, let's move on to uh, the season's most defining moment. Doesn't have to necessarily be the high point, but what mm-hmm. do you think? Kind of. D- defined the season in in one moment oh you got mine here you absolutely got the one i would have had uh ben roethlisberger 46 attempts or 150 yards versus cleveland i mean that that i mean that in in a moment sums up everything that is truly truly it it uh the only other potential thing i might have thought of and uh, well I, i guess yeah you have delvin cook running for 200 plus yards that's certainly there but um the only other one that you might have included you didn't have here is the very last play of the lions game isn't it basically like oh friarmouth catch it and then fumbles and ends but yeah but these are all good answers but i mean the ben because it's i think you have to include the ben one because they win i mean yeah. they did have a winning record they did go to the playoffs but man what a way to do it yeah i like, think i think you're right there it's like it's we yeah we won game seasons uh all throughout the season but and this is how it was you know ben putting up kind of you know I don't want to say ridiculous stats in a positive way but just in a kind of just unbelievable way we've never seen uh certainly in in Pittsburgh history just kind of winning games off huge over 40 attempts and under 200 yards I think we've seen that a couple times this season mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay let's which move. I didn't even know was possible like it doesn't even <laughs> seem mathematically correct like I think one of the stats was most most passes behind the line of scrimmage in a season or something. <laughs> I, I, I mean, believe I believe that. it. I believe it. All right, let's move on to best defensive moment of the mm. season. Uh, you know, there were many, some game-winning situations, and the defense was certainly, despite giving up a record number of rushing yards uh, per attempt this season, uh, there were still some big defining moments on defense. What, what do you think was the most, the best defensive moment? I, I don't know. This is so tough. I mean, you have all three of them here. The, uh, uh, you know, TJ Sack against Seattle, Hayden's uh, game-winning tackle against Tennessee, and, of course, Minka with the breakup against Baltimore. I'm going to go with, because in the spirit of having to pick one, uh, TJ Sack against Seattle, just because I'm not sure if that doesn't happen, the rest of them do. Like, that was, because at the moment, that was a real season-saving moment, and was a season-saving moment very, very on. Now, early on. Now, the other two, also 
season saving moments, but much later. So this one, so I have to go with the first season saving moment as like a foundation upon which the rest are built. You're right. There's domino. You can't knock the fifth domino unless you knock down the first domino. That, right. That's the only way I could pick between these three. I Tom. think, yeah, you, I think that's a good, good point for TJ's uh, sack against Seattle. Um, you know, I, you know, maybe, maybe I'll give Minka's pass breakup. Not, you know, didn't. Not one you'll see on the stat sheets, but that was definitely mm. uh, a season, a game-winning uh, play and a season-saving uh, play. Absolutely. But, you know, don't forget about, you know, Jay, uh, uh, Pierre with the game-winning yes. interception, Absolutely. too. Absolutely. Especially at a time when that game was not looking good. And I want to say TJ was out at that point, if I still remember. And, and you have, I mean, you got Killer Bruce Brock block punt against Buffalo. Well, that was the best special teams moment That's of the true. season. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. uh, some of the amazing Boswell kicks. But, um... But yeah, but well, I think it also shows that, you know, and part of this is a result of the offense and defense not being so great. But boy, there were so many great defensive moments to choose from just because these games were so close and came down to the last minute. And it's, once again, a team uh, sport, you know, sure, we expect TJ and Cam mm-hmm. to make plays. But hey, we had Sutton making plays. We had uh, Pierre making plays. We mm-hmm. had Hayden. We had Killebrew. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 it takes every helmet, as we say. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to. Best photo op of the year. What was just the best optics? Was it uh, Ben's farewell? Yes. I mean, that, you can't argue with that, right? right. It just. I, I think it's really the. If we're going to talk about this, it's what's second place. I mean, obviously <laughs> that that's number one. Um. Yeah. I mean, it's. I, I like all your choices here. To <laughs> the Gold Jacket City on Alumni Week certainly up there. Um. Uh. The Muth meets Heath thing makes sense just in terms of those of us who've been around for a while and just having to deal with how much older Heath looks at this point. But um. <laughs> But yeah, but in terms of the future and in terms of, you know, I, I like that you have Najee's stiff arm from, I'm assuming, the Cleveland game. And here's yeah. the one where he sets the record. It's that, That's the kind of thing that, like, almost everyone listening to it is now either too young or too old for such a thing. But like a million years ago, that would have been a poster in someone's room. <laughs> yeah. Like that absolutely would have been and it would have said, like, you know, steel stiff arm. And it would have been like <laughs> yellow all over it. And there's like a weird border that's too big for some reason. Like it abs- that's what you would have seen. Like, I had the Barry Foster one in that same pose it said steel wheels oh okay. that's what it was <laughs> so yeah <laughs> I see, see i was giving them too much credit for trying to make it alliterative yeah so they went for rhyming okay but and, uh, yeah yeah i mean you know the stiff arm sure like it's kind of like vance max stiff arm i think that's something that we'll always remember from mcdonald's uh tenure and, and then we'll see if this is Najee's, you know it's definitely his poster moment. We'll see if we remember it in the seasons to come. Well, the only thing that makes that a little bit better, other than that he scored and it was a time when they needed it, is that's one of the few great NFL plays that has like a Hollywood-ready reaction shot with Hayward pointing and laughing at that dude. That That's what makes that an all... I mean, look, it's an all-time great play anyway, sure, but it's that's what makes it, is that like it has a, a backing comedy troupe. Anyway. Our next award is one of the more prestigious awards. Best take of the year... One person rose above the rest. The cream always rises to the top. The article was, there are a lot of dumb takes about Mike Tomlin out there right now. It broke down why all these hot takes and toxic takes from Tomlin haters just have it completely wrong. So joining us now on Zoom is Jeffrey Benedict. Welcome to What Jin's Talking About. Thank you. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you, everyone. Tell me what you were thinking when you wrote this piece. What was the inspiration for the article? Uh, actually, the inspiration for it is an interesting one. I had just, for some reason, come across an article about uh, Chuck Knoll and how the, the Rooney's 
Art Rooney gave him a bonus after his first season when the team was one in 13 and Chuck Noll refused to take it. And it was Dan Rooney handed to him. He's like, you've got to take it or my dad's going to be like personally offended. So he takes it, gives it to his wife and says, put it in a different account. We're not touching this money because I haven't earned it. Right. And I think that started my whole process of thinking like the Steelers look beyond just, oh, the season went bad. Who are we blaming? You know, they don't they don't jump into that. But we as fans, we totally do. Uh, so I wanted to I, I took a lot of look at uh, some of the arguments I see that Tomlin's terrible as to why he's so bad. And I wanted to break them down and see, like, is there something to him? And a lot of them are just bad. Uh, there are legitimate reasons to criticize Tomlin. No one's perfect. Uh, but there's a lot of just really bad arguments. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to turn this into an article. And I did. What kind of reaction did you get to this piece? I got I got a lot of I got a lot of response on both sides. I got a lot of the Homer responses of being like, ah, right, Mike Tomlin's our quarterback, our coach, and the Steelers are our team, and we root for him, uh, which I'm not always on board with. And I got a lot of, you know, you're an idiot. Tomlin's the worst. This team will never be good again. And yeah, I, I, I got exactly what I expected. I didn't expect it to get as much traction as it did. It, it, it got views and comments for a, like a solid week, which was pretty impressive. So it, it kind of took off, but not the most surprising thing. Anything, anything controversial, you know, can get pretty big. Was this even controversial? I thought this was one of the more logical and level-headed approaches to criticism. Well, I mean, you do cover social media, logical and level-headed is controversial at this point. What do you see out there on social media? I'm seeing the worst of the worst, but maybe you're seeing a different point of view. What, what's your take on Steelers Twitter? I, I it's a, it's an interesting mixture. Like, uh, you, you have people that will, that are just relentlessly positive. You have the people that are relentlessly negative, no matter what happens. This isn't good. This isn't great. I, I remember when the Steelers won uh, the Super Bowl 2008. There were people being like, well, we're not going to be able to win it next year unless we get rid of this guy and we do this other thing. And it's like, we just, can we enjoy it for a moment? And there's the people that no matter how bad it is, they're like, oh, Ben Roethlisberger is still a great quarterback. And you're like, no, he's old. He's retiring for a reason. And they're like, he should come back again. And it's like, no, man, he knows it's over. Like the man himself, he knows it's over. Let it go. Uh, and then there's just a lot of people that want to argue. <laughs> there's a lot of people that are here to argue. Well, we know that we're going to be turning to you for our thoughtful analysis, our reigning champion for best take of the year. Jeffrey, thanks so much for stopping by. And we'll see you out there on socials. All right. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Chris. Kyle. <laughs> All right, we've still got a lot of awards to hand out, including uh, Hater of the Year, mm. uh, including uh, Fan of the Year, but we've got to take this commercial break. Uh, so please enjoy uh, one of our sponsors. Uh, go and listen to their podcast or buy their brain pills. Thing, yeah. Thing, yeah. Or listen to one of the many other great podcasts on the Ooh. Behind the Steel Curtain Network. I recommend The Cutting Room Floor and Stat Geek. Mm. All right, we'll be back. Right. 
We're back. We're playing Renegade. That means it's the second half. <laughs> We're keeping the awards going. Let's move to most underreported or most undertweeted story. This mm. is, you know, what was this was one that was off the radar for Steeler Nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would uh, what what would you say is the most well, undertweeted story? You have my pick, although I see there's something else in here that's making me think about it. My first thought was, you know, you have on here what really happened with to it because that's the one. As much as anyone talked about it, it was still even more bizarre and weird that no one talked about it more than they did. I mean, obviously, you know, if the guy can't play after what he's been through, that's a hundred percent okay. But the fact that you know you didn't hear about it as much as you might have for other things it felt like there was so much else going on and so many other takes that it almost kind of crowded that out just the sheer mystery of it because frankly how many things in sports media sports social media ever actually include the word mystery this is one of the few that really did (laughs) this was a mystery And, and interesting enough on tuesdays reporters would sort of ask they would say you know any update on to it no no update but no one just straight up asked you know, like what? What is the deal? Is it is it injury? Is it above the neck? You know what? What was what's the issue? It seemed like no one straight up wanted to ask the point blank question. Well, as we found that later, didn't it? One of the press conferences, Tomlin said before the press conference, "Hey, I don't have any update on Tua. He's not playing this week." And that was we're just going with that. It um, I was I mean, looking back, I was impressed. And I feel like we mentioned it on here. I think it was the Athletic that said that like Tua's not playing till December or if he does this whole season in like August. Yeah, and that seems like okay. Looking back, well, maybe that's someone that's a little more plugged into what's actually going down versus some of the other ones maybe yeah i think when they i think they talked to butler uh early on and they asked you know is to it going to come back and i think the quote was like i hope so you know yeah it was it was, a, yeah. It was even back in august it was very uh questionable at best mm-hmm. and as we saw you know and now the, the, his house is on the market so right. yeah. you know all signs are pointing to not toward go i mm-hmm. guess mm-hmm. but for me the i feel the most underreported and certainly most undertweeted story of the year was all of these players who came back this year mm-hmm. for less money mm-hmm. uh, to, to play with Roethlisberger one more time. Hey, that, even, is my, that would have been my second pick. Even yeah. Ben himself. Ben took a pay cut. Mm-hmm. Juju came back. from. I know the market was a little bit weird with COVID and everything, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, Vince... Uh, you know, got cut, and then he still came back for less money before mm-hmm. he retired again. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Alalu, who took the contract in Jacksonville right. and then still came back. <laughs> that was wild. You know, no one wants to talk about that, and I think it's a testament not only to uh, ben, who I think the, a lot of people wanted to play with, but mm-hmm. also to Tomlin. You know, they want to play for this coach, and oh, he's a cheerleader, or you know, he's now the narrative is he's got too much going on. He's the <laughs> defensive coordinator and he's the CEO. It's like, dude, this is the reason why we have Tomlin. It's for it's for stories like this that I think people didn't didn't know what to do with. They didn't mm-hmm. really, you know, all these players came back on the cheap, and <laughs> I, we just don't see that anywhere else. I don't no. think. Very rarely. Okay, let's move on to mm-hmm. most stagnant take or most stagnant idea on Steelers social media this year. What? It, there's so many stagnant it ones. Is, but, there is, but you have my pick. You have my pick. It's the uh, the, the run more two-minute drill because <laughs> all of your other options and everything else, there's some degree of truth to. This is the one that's like sheer wish casting and sheer hoping that this comes through. I mean, in a way, it's actually one of the more positive ones considering the other things you have here about Fire Tomlin and Ben's washed up and Devin Bush should be launched into the sun or whatever. But like, this is the one where I'm like, okay, that, that this is, you know, you've had this explained to you multiple times while this doesn't work and yet you persist. This is, so yeah, so I'll take that as the most stagnant uh, out of uh, strategy.
stretch one. And, you know, don't forget, uh, if you want to run more two-minute drill, we had some games with 41 attempts and 146 passing yards. <laughs> so uh, that is what's going to happen with the more run, to run more two-minute drill. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for me, of course... It's still the most stagnant take. It's still, and it, and it might be, you know, years in a row now, is fire Tomlin. You know, you sure, no one is without criticism, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just like the the fire Tomlin, it's, you know, it's it's old. Get a new mm-hmm. take. Get a new team. Throw in, your, <laughs> throw in the towel, Steeler Nation. Because to me, when you say fire Tomlin, you're basically saying, uh, I'm not a fan. That's what that's what I hear. I don't know. Am I wrong? Tweet uh, me. I mean that 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 feels strong, but hey, but that's why we're here. Yeah, that's why. Is that why we're here? I'm still I, I, trying it, to figure it out. It's as good a guess as any. Let's move on to most improved Steeler. Let's talk about some things on the field in a year where a lot of Steelers didn't have highlight reels. Who would you say is the most improved this year? Oh, I, I, you got mine here. It's, it's. Uh, I mean, two months ago, I would have said louder milk, and that's certainly a valid option. A fourth round pick that no one actually thought would play, but it, it has to be Weatherspoon at this point. I mean, here's a guy that was last seen uh, definitely not playing special teams, and uh, you know, in the vapor trail of Henry Ruggs the third, and then essentially <laughs> is for all of December is essentially like you know prime tie law. So it so I mean that that that's bizarre. What I mean it's it's almost unfathomable that that happens. So yeah, that, and truthfully, that's one of those things that makes you feel maybe the Trell Austin regime isn't going to be so bad. So it's so yeah, it uh, I'll go with Witherspoon. Yeah, Witherspoon definitely. Uh, We're always trying to get eight pounds in a five pound bag. He got eight pounds in that five pound bag. Talk about catch a moving train. This guy was like Jesse James. He was able yes. to you know <laughs> run onto the jump onto the train and and then still rob the bank or whatever. <laughs> Uh, let's move on to most regressed Steeler. Um, you know, certainly a lot of a lot of nominees for right. this. System, yeah. Who do you think most regressed? Uh, I mean, it's you got to go with Bush. I mean, Claypool is certainly up there, but uh, I don't know if the standard or the expectations for Claypool were ever quite as high as they were for Bush. Also, like again, and I mentioned this multiple times throughout the season, is that I never heard anyone talk about a player the way they talked about Bush in terms of you know even. Uh, uh, nonpartisan media and uh, uh, you know uh, uh, perhaps gentler seeming sources. So I'll go with Bush and then Claypool uh, closer to him than maybe I might have thought a few months ago. Yeah, you, I mean Bush certainly was the, in the spotlight all season. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know maybe it's because he was that we traded up for him. He's supposed to be you know the next Palomalu or at least the next Shazier. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know it seems like we're still we're still trying to replace Ryan Shazier and all mm-hmm. this. And, yes, and Bush was supposed to be the speed and Mm -hmm. but maybe he doesn't have that uh you know maybe he's not that head first guy that was part of ryan's uh you know style was kind of i don't want to say reckless but he certainly went he certainly went in there head first a lot oh yeah and that and that's also you know and the shazier injury is also like when the steeler decline it all gets traced back to that yeah. That is the, you know, the prime moment where, you know, the two roads diverged in the woods, uh, uh, the dimensions, you know, shifted at, um, yeah, and we ended up in a darker timeline. Yes. Yes. Fi- we need to fix that, Doctor Strange, in the sequel, okay? I hope one of the moments is going back to fix that. Our next category is Biggest Ben Critic. There were a lot of people that you could say were toxic or were trolls this season, but one person elevated their conversation to a a whole nother art form and he's joining us now on zoom it's at 
Brioni Boy 12. Welcome to What Jen's Talking About. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Glad to uh, be here. I noticed you. It must have been the first drive of the first game of the season when you called the offense Fiekner Burger Ball. That that turned out to, I guess that turned out to be pretty prophetic. Yeah, it was, um, you know, I, I, frankly, I've been, I, I'll, I'll give away my age. Uh, I'm 55. I've been a Steelers fan since 1972. Uh, and, you know, like, you know, we eat it up a little more than most, right? Sure. And And Steeler fans tend to, study the game a little more, be a little more sensitive to, uh, you know, what's really happening out, happening out there on, on more of a granular level. And, you know, I, I've, I've really studied this team and, and the offense, the defense, the whole thing. And, and it, it was obvious, but, you know, we were, we were doing the same old and it, it almost felt, it, it almost felt like under Fickner, um, they took what Todd Haley did and shrunk it down. And, you know, if you watch this season this year, um, defense is essentially nobody was more, most plays, not every play, but nobody was more than 10 yards. I mean, they shrunk our field down to 10 yards. And I, I didn't see a whole lot of change this year from what I saw the previous few years. And I, I, had, I had that sinking feeling. And uh, unfortunately, it, it was, you know, it was the right, it was, it, was the, it was the right intuition. You've been very frank on social media with your opinions. Uh, how do you handle some of the backlash or some of the feedback that you get from other fans? Uh, I don't really. Uh, <laughs> you, you can't handle it. Um, it's, it's, it's a lot of hate. It's a lot of hate. And, and, you know, there's, there's some, some, it's not backlash, it's whiplash. (laughs) Terry Bradshaw won four Super Bowls in six years. I grew up with him. He's my hero. I love the guy. He wins at everything he does. And Terry in 1982 was up 31 to something and the defense gave up two late touchdowns and lost that playoff game in 1982. They booed him off the field. Two years after winning his fourth Super Bowl in six years, Pittsburgh booed him off the field. And then we were cursed for 25 years <laughs> with Cordell Stewart and, and David, God rest his soul, David Woodley. And, and you know, so Roethlisberger who lucked into he really lucked into a wealth of riches early on in his career and and you know Steeler fans anointed him as savior and they were willing to give him a pass for 13 seasons I tell myself that Pittsburgh fans are adoring of the winners uh sometimes it's pretty nasty um but you know I talk about what I see on the field and I talk about what I feel like is a major character issue and, and folks don't like that, but you know, I don't, I, I don't go home with, with the other Twitter followers at the end of the day. So I found that, especially in the last year or so, 
a lot of folks sort of came out of the woodwork who were afraid to to be critical uh, because it's been a shit show, frankly. Yeah, I mean, they've been wheeling out a cadaver um, because, I don't know, Tomlin, coaches love their players, all those things. Um, and so more folks have, have sort of come to the dark side, so to speak. But, uh, you know, how do I deal with that? I just, I really don't deal with it that much because frankly, if, if I was going on there to win friends, I, I'm certainly doing the wrong thing. <laughs> well, I definitely appreciate you taking the time to come on. And even though this may be as, as low as prestige as an award there is, I hope that you appreciate being the biggest Ben critic on what Jin's talking about. I'm thrilled. Um, I expect some sort of trophy. Uh, no, it's not, I, any, any acknowledgement, any press is good press and, and it's all, it's a pleasure to talk to you. All right. We're coming up into the final stretch here. Let's Woo. move to the next category. Happy trails award. You know, we, we thank you for your service, but we probably won't uh, see you again in, in Steeler nation. Uh, who gets the happy trails award? Well, this again, year? the other thing is, is obviously other than Ben, Ben is the clear answer, but uh, other than that, um, I, I, I'll, I'll give it to Butler. I mean, you have Butler on here. I mean, it's easy to, you know, make jokes where the punchline is that gum and to think <laughs> the defense wasn't that good, but boy, when he had the players, he had a defense when they were healthy and they were good. He had a great defense. He was certainly a big part of all those teams for so many years behind LeBeau and all that. And he stuck around for it at, um, it's it's I mean, hopefully the defense continues and all that. But Butler was very good when the players were good. I you know, you can't disagree with that. Uh, you know, I want to say I kind of want to say Juju, but I'm still hoping that there is, mm-hmm. a, you know, maybe a contract somehow in the works. Um, but yeah, Keith Butler, you know, the, so so much criticism about the run D and the defense in general. But this is the guy who not only developed guys like Porter mm-hmm. and Debo, uh, Bud Dupree, um, you know, now TJ, people said TJ wasn't a lock when he got drafted, which is true, you know? Yeah. And so there's obviously there's been develop there, not just on TJ side. Yeah. He put on 10 pounds of muscle this year, but <laughs> Hey, you got, you know, you gotta, you gotta learn to play the game. And Keith Butler did that sack record in, mm-hmm. uh, you know, multiple years in a row. Uh, you know, everyone's going to say, Oh, but Tomlin was playing, was making the plays, uh, on defense, but I think we're going to miss this guy, you know, <laughs> like a lot of, like, like a lot of people say we missed, um, Munchak on right. the offensive line. Mm-hmm. I think that, I think we might come to but it's entirely possible. All right, let's move on to welcome to Steeler Nation award. I mean, a year with so many rookies had to contribute, but also some people uh, came from outside the organization. Who do you? Who would you say welcome to Steelers Nation? Well, again, I mean, I'd say you have to be other than Najee, which I think is the clear answer here, just because you know such an important part of things. But I, I'll go with Fryermuth. I mean, I think it, it worked out better than people thought. I, I think it, it was this was despite all his talent and the great you know resume he had from Penn State. I'm not sure this was anywhere near as much of a given that he would be as good and as important a part of the offense by the end as he was. So it uh, you know, and it was amazing that they had so many rookies play well like Moore and Norwood who hopefully continue to be major contributors for years to come but uh but yeah I'll go to Muth because it does look like he has real star power can't can't argue with that I'm gonna go a little bit different direction Mm -hmm. uh you know someone who definitely not expected to get the snaps he did (laughs) you know we all expected Kendrick Green at least some I you know Mm -hmm. I'll admit that I thought that he wouldn't win the starter uh, starting role but he obviously did um and but people would kind of expected that 
the person we didn't expect to play 1,200 snaps this year, Dan Moore Jr., mm. welcome mm. to Steeler Nation. Mm -hmm. I think that he's going to have a long career, Certainly. or at least a long first contract <laughs> in, in Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think this guy is going to be a tag. You know, there's some talk maybe he could move to right tackle next year, but I think that he proved. I mean, he went up against Miles Garrett twice, and yes. we we're, we're still not really talking about it. Right? So. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a great point too. So Dan Moore Jr., welcome to Steeler Nation. Mm -hmm. Let's go to worst ref call of the mm -hmm. season. You know, uh, you could you could argue every game had a little zebra in it, but uh, some more than others. What would you say is the worst uh, ref call? This oh, you year? got it on here. It's the Hayden block uh, offsides on the block field goal in Green Bay. Just because, I mean, it, it, you know, a couple things is one that happened so early in the season, you know, they do get that call. Perhaps they turn things around and it's I'd actually like to amend even what I said at the time. I remember I said something to the effect of like, well, OK, this happens. But, geez, they're in Green Bay. It's tough. You don't know if they're going to win. Well, now, several months later, we look back and say, hey, Green Bay can be had in Lambeau. Yeah. I mean, that's if there's one thing we learned this past weekend in the divisional round, it's certainly that. Also, I was even thinking that was it Christmas night when the Browns played up there and the Browns gave him a game, even though Baker threw like four picks or something. But they were still kind of in it at the end. I remember watching that and thinking, geez, the Steelers are going to struggle with the Browns on Monday. And they kind of didn't. And except for a, a few times. So, yeah. So I think that ended up being a bigger, bigger deal than maybe we thought at the time. You know, you can always play what if or what about on every game and every mm -hmm. situation, especially all the games we won close, but what if, oh, yeah. what if that would have, that blocked kick when would have been returned for a touchdown, that game would have been different. Who knows? Would we have won the division? Right. Uh, Who's to say? You know, I, you know, there's so much we, you know, mm -hmm. I, th I think about if the Chiefs would have beat the Bengals. Uh, right, that's a big moment in too, December. Yeah. Would we have won the division? And then you know, it's it's a whole it's a whole different ball game. Maybe, mm -hmm. maybe not. Maybe we still you know go out in the first round. But right, uh, yeah, that was certainly uh, that was certainly the worst the worst call. Although <laughs> you know, the most comical. We won the game, so it doesn't really matter. But I still think back to the Titans game where oh, I think yeah. TJ was being held by two guys, and yes. he kind of had his arms. I think the uh, that some of the memes going around was TJ on the Titanic getting yes. lifted up. And oh yeah, no no, so, no no no, that was that was a lot. That, I mean, that, for, that was just because the camera caught it at the right time. And th <laughs> if they'd lost that game, that would have been the Ooh, big moment. But yes, yeah. Mm. All right, let's move on to. Tomlinism of the year. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, every year we get some good sayings and some of the old same old cliche sayings, but we had a couple new ones this year. What do you think was the Tomlinism of the year? I mean, it, it's you got it. It's it's everyone gets a little tight. I mean, that is that that that's the basic one because it's how often. I mean, sure, there's all kinds of press conferences and coaches say all kinds of things. There's very rarely do they do something with voice modulation. <laughs> that's right. That's Let's, rare. Here we go. We got it right here. Everybody else gets a little tight. Tight. Right, that is th that's amazing. I mean, but uh, but coming in strong, second place, uh, not a booster with a big enough blank check, just because that narrative was going around for a few weeks too. And again, I think that all happened because of that loss to the Bengals. But yes, that that one was right there as well. Oh and yeah, the, that that's it for me. That whole press conference. I think we got like three great Tomlinisms yes. out of that press conference. And not only was he really showing his swagger and showing that you know this is the ultimate place pittsburgh mm -hmm. head coach we got uh, i think we got it's not a booster with a big enough blank check that's there right we got uh that's a joke to me yeah. that's a joke to me <laughs> oh and uh you know the definitive that'll be the last time that i address it 
So I th- I'm so mad. Yeah, that was that was the energy. And we've had I, I've been saying all year we had a different energy from Coach T this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a little more swagger. He was he's you know, he's saying I've been here 15 years to put some respect on my name. Mm-hmm. And uh, I hope I hope we see more of that throughout uh, throughout the career now. I'm that, sure we will. Now that it really is. It always was Tomlin's team, but now, especially without a franchise quarterback there, it really is. Uh, this is his moment to to step up here. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Our final category of the show is Fan of the Year. And in a sea of trolls in toxic takes, one person stood out among the rest by keeping it positive and logical throughout the season. That is at RickFish412, who's joining us now over Zoom. Thank you for joining us on What Jin's Talking About. Thanks, Kyle. Appreciate you having me. I'm honored to have the award. Uh, you know, it means a lot. Um, you know, big Steeler fan. And, uh, you know, it's nice. Um, it's nice to be recognized for something like positivity and being logical and things like that. Um, so I appreciate you having me on. So tell us your approach to social media and Twitter and Steelers Twitter. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I love being a Steeler fan and I love Pittsburgh and, um, you know, I love also being a football fan and, you know, it's, it's too easy to be negative and, uh, to kind of hate in the modern day, especially with social media and the news, you know, it's out there. Um, and, uh, it can influence you pretty heavily when you're spending a lot of time on those platforms. Um, and I think I'm a positive guy by nature, but it's also a decision. You know, I try to be, I consciously try to be positive. Um, and, you know, honestly, from my perspective, it's much better to be a positive fan, like believing and hoping feels good. Um, and I enjoy that feeling. Um, and you know, when you look at it from that perspective, there's actually a lot of clarity, like you can you can drown out the negativity. You can consciously say, Hey, I'm going to try to be positive. I'm going to make the choice to be positive. Um, and it feels good. It feels better. Um, and so, you know, once I realized that it was kind of a no brainer that that's how I wanted to approach social media, not just for, you know, everyone else, but it's also for me, right? Like Twitter in a lot of ways can be um, uh, very therapeutic for a lot of people. You get stuff out of your head in the, into uh, some type of written form. And, you know, a big reason why I joined Twitter to begin with is, you know, every fourth thought of mine was a Steelers thought, right? And I was like, well, I'm just going to start getting it out there and uh, get it out of my head and onto, you know, some type of platform. And, uh, you know, I really wanted to be a positive fan. And so, um, you know, in addition to that, the reality is in the modern day, like a lot of fans see what is on social media too. Um, and at a young age, I realized I wasn't going to be the quarterback of the Steelers. <laughs> and so I thought to myself, okay, well, how else can I make contributions? And, you know, we can all do a part in helping our, our modern day players. Like these guys are on social media, a lot of, you know, I'm 29. And so there are people that are younger than me who are on the Steelers, right. And they're on social media, you know, I have cousins that age, so I can kind of like relate to how they might interpret some of that meaning on there. And so like, we, we kind of have a choice as a fan base is do we want to build up our players or, or do we want to contribute to maybe like something that could collectively affect their performance on the field? Like, you know, uh, the Roonies, Colbert, uh, Tomlin, they're not reading these tweets and going, wow, Twitter's right. Maybe I should not start Mason Rudolph. Like the Steelers have a way of doing things. Maybe there are some more like 
superficial owners out there, you know, who might actually look at what's on social media and say, hey, you know, everyone's calling for this. I'm going to give them what they want. The Steelers aren't going to do it that way. So when you put out those negative things, maybe you're doing it for you. And if you are, you know, all the power to you, that's not going to make an impact on the Steelers, except negatively, like a player could see that. And so, you know, you're building the team up. Um, you know, I think it, it, it could be extremely beneficial for fans to kind of try to look at things from a positive perspective. And, you know, the season is going to end one way or another. Maybe we get the Super Bowl, maybe we don't. Um, but I promise you that, like, it was way better for me to really be positive and optimistic and enjoy the ride to that playoff game than it was for the people who were, like, throwing them out the door after we first lost to the Bengals, right? Um and so that's that, I guess that's why I, I go about this and do it this way. And maybe it's easy for me to say, because like I said, it's a little more natural for me, but um, you know, I think everyone's capable of it. And so I put it out there and try to build up our fans as well to, to maybe, you know, be a little bit more like that. Is it tough sledding? What kind of reaction are you getting from other tweeters out there? Yeah. Um, there's, you know, you get a sample size of, of the human condition. I'd say out there, you know, um, you definitely get, you know, you, you see a lot of different types, a lot of different types of people. And, and I try to put it in the context too, of like, Oh, it was a big loss or an emotional loss, you know, like, I don't know, after like the Vikings game or something, you're like, Oh my goodness. You know, like, um, Oh, I, I can't believe Pat, you know, Pat dropped it. Oh no. Harrison Smith knocked it out. Right. So you get people like fighting with each other over things. Maybe they're mad at the other team. Maybe they're at, mad at our team, or you get like a blowout loss where people are like, Oh, you know, Ben's done. The team's done. You know, we should just, we should lose out for a draft pick and things like that. So you get such a, a broad spectrum of opinions that it actually is. It's quite interesting in a lot of ways, you know, like I find a lot of the reactions, even the negative reactions, interesting because it just introduces you to a lot of different opinions that are out there. And it broadens your understanding of like the fan base and of people in general. Um, so there's definitely silver linings to those comments, but um, I don't know. I always try to just kind of like kill them with kindness to an extent. Sometimes I get a little impatient and maybe I, I, I'm a little snarky at times. I try not to be, but you know, I'm a human too. So, uh, you know, what are you going to do? Well, we're not the only ones grateful for your attitude out there on social media. Here's a message from someone else who's also very appreciative. Hello, Rick Fish. How you doing? This is Coach Dick LeBeau, the old Pittsburgh Steeler defensive coordinator, retired. Uh, I have a very pleasant uh, task today. First of all, I get to meet you, a staunch member of the Steeler Nation. Uh, what's even more important, uh, a seventh-generation Pittsburgher. Uh, I don't know if I know too many guys, uh, families that have been around any longer than that. Uh, I'm honored to meet you. Uh, I'm more happy uh, to know that you're a true member of the Steeler Nation. Uh, you never take a backward step, win, lose, or even a tie, which we had this year. You behind the Steelers 100%. Uh, it's my honor uh, to congratulate you for uh, being awarded uh, the Fan of the Year, uh, mostly for your lo uh, loyalty and your positive attitude throughout the whole season. And it coming from the podcast, uh, what you talking about, man? What you talking about? Love that. 
love even more the fact that uh, uh, you, Rick Fish, uh, won that award. It, it just uh, is another indicator that you're a true stealer. And, uh, but I knew Ewan's going to be with us. So what Jen's talking about, man, my honor to say to you, congratulations and thanks for your support. So from all of us here at What Jen's Talking About and Coach LeBeau, congratulations once again on being our fan of the year. Wow, man, that's that's amazing. That is um, that's a pretty rare thing right there. I'm really grateful for that. I did not see that coming. Um, you know, this is more motivation for me to, you know, keep keep doing this. I love doing it anyway. So, you know, I would have kept going anyways, but this is fuel for the fire. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful. I really appreciate it. All right. That concludes the first annual Yinzi Awards. Do you think we got it right? Uh, yes, as much as we get anything else right. We didn't get it wrong. That part I know. We didn't get it wrong. And, you know, we set the bar mm-hmm. for everyone there in Steelers Nation. Be a better tweeter. A new standard. A new standard in 2022. Do you want to be part of the Yinzies? You can be, but you have to change your 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 mind. You have to change your mind frame. Your mind frame? You're, 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 I mean, or your you point could just of try view. to be nicer. Yeah, I mean, just, yeah, just, just think, would I be embarrassed to say this to a human being in my real life and then apply <laughs> that to Twitter? You are the person on social media that you are in real life, uh-huh. and, and I truly believe that. So it's true. Be a better, be a better fan, or at least be. Just don't be so toxic. All right. Yeah, just chill. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Kyle Christ. Greg, where where are you? Um, Twitter and Instagram at Greg Benevent. Uh, B as in boy. E N E. V as in Victor. E N T. We'll be back next week with our regularly scheduled program. Back to your toxic takes and tweets and, and you know, and it's going to be a long offseason, I think. Boy, toxicity never takes an offseason. All right. We'll see you next week.